lying down on the bed was like the worst thing ever to go through those contractions. It was so painful. Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Is gestational diabetes a birth ruiner, or is there more to the picture than just a label? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 214 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and today we're speaking to Cassidy Lilly, a mother to three babies born three very different ways. Today we'll hear Cassidy's story of cesarean, then medicated VBAC, and finally, an incredible home birth. We'll learn about how she was diagnosed with gestational diabetes in her third pregnancy and how she chose to manage that experience. Let's not waste any time and jump into today's beautiful episode with Cassidy. Please remember that the opinions of my guest may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa. And the show is not medical advice. It's an educational tool. So continue to take empowered responsibility for your health and your family. Cassidy, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you so much. It's such an honor. Oh, I am so excited to have you here. So would you mind just taking a moment here in the beginning to introduce yourself to the listeners? For sure. So my name is Cassidy Lilly, um, born and raised in Michigan. Um, starting to get a little bit cold here, and that's like the worst part about living here. But other than that, you know, I love love being here. Um my husband is a pastor. Um, he was a youth pastor for about seven years and just became a head pastor last year. So that's been a big adjustment for us. And then I have three little kids. Um, Addie is turning five in a couple days. Tate is three and Bodie is seven months. So I'm a stay-at-home wow. mom, which I love. Um, it's the greatest thing ever. And now we're navigating homeschool and all that stuff. So it's it's super fun and it's challenging at times, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Yep. Living the dream. The the very difficult, but very rewarding dream. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm really excited to talk to you today because I know that you have had three very different birthing experiences. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like it can be just so helpful to hear the gamut and kind of just a mom's journey from one very different type of birth all the way to home birth with your third. So yeah. could you tell us about your first uh, pregnancy and birth experience? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Addie's my oldest. Um, I had a very normal pregnancy up until, you know, that last, you know, 35 to 40 weeks when we found out she was breech. And so, um, you know, I had a couple different ultrasounds with that. Now, Granted, this was before I knew anything about birth. I was not an informed person about anything, never did any kind of research. So, um, you know, they recommended that we did a C-section because she also had a marginal cord insertion, which is, you know, when the uh, umbilical cord is placed in, you know, not the right area. So they didn't want to risk turning her um, in case you know, I would have to have an emergency C-section with that. So we just go ahead and planned, you know, just a scheduled C-section. Everything went great. Um, she was born, you know, happy and healthy and 
was seven pounds, 12 ounces and, um, recovery was great. You know, everything was great with that. Um, obviously it wasn't my, uh, first choice with birth, (laughs) but, um, you know, I truly believe, you know, it happened for a reason and I'm thankful that, you know, she was born healthy. So, yeah. Okay. So what had your, had your plan been, was it specific? Like, were you thinking I'm going to go into the hospital and have an unmedicated labor and then this happened? Or was it like, I'm just, I'm going to go with the flow and see what happens. Yeah, and then this- yeah exactly. Cause I, like I said, I, I knew nothing about birth. I, I just was going to go in there and just hope for the best and yeah. hope everything went well. But, um, yeah, it's a big contrast into my last birth. That's for sure. <laughs> that's amazing. It's, it's always so cool to hear that. Well, okay. So you had that birth experience and then it sounds like about, about two years later is when yeah. we had number two. Okay. So yeah. what was that pregnancy and, and then birthing experience like for you? Yeah. So he, um, Tate and Addie are 19 months apart. So you know, with my OB, I had just made the cutoff for being able to have, you know, a VBAC. So still not informed at all about any kind of labor, birth, anything like that. It wasn't until my third that I did all this research. So um, he uh, had, I had a great pregnancy with him as well. Um, the only thing was that they were stressing me that they would not induce me that I would have to go into labor on my own before 42 weeks because of the risk of um, uterine abruption. So, you know, that scares you. So I just remember praying so much like, Lord, please let me go into labor before 42 weeks. I didn't want to have to have another C-section. I wanted to be able to experience labor and birth and and all of that. So um, at 39 and five, I went into labor naturally. Um, we were actually at our uh, church camp and I went into labor. So um, yeah, so I labored at camp for a while and then um, went to the hospital, um, went way too early because, you know, yeah. I still still didn't know anything. So um, got there. Well, and you also never experienced it, right? right. I mean, yeah, that was my first time yeah. in labor. So yeah, um, I went into labor, you know, went to the hospital. And of course, being there early, they're trying to um, do all these different interventions on you to try to get labor to go a little bit smoother. And me not knowing anything, I let them break my water. Um, And then once that happened, you know, that's when the uh, contractions really started to get intense. And um didn't know anything about different laboring positions. So I was just lying on my back in a hospital bed um, with the monitors on me um, and was just in so much pain and didn't know how to handle it. So that's when I got my epidural and took a nap. And that was honestly the best nap I probably ever had in my life. <laughs> um, and then was in labor for about a couple more hours. And then I hit that transition and it freaked me out because I didn't know anything of how that felt. Mm -hmm. So I ended up getting another dose of the epidural. And that was when like my entire body went numb, except for my arms and, you know, up here, like I could not move my legs at all anymore. And so 
the doctor came in and he's like, all right, it's time to push. And I couldn't feel a thing. I couldn't feel my contractions, nothing. And so I had my mother-in-law over here, um, my mom holding one leg and my husband holding my other leg because I couldn't even hold them up myself. And my sister um, was recording so I could see, you know, what was going on. And the doctor was very uh, weird about that. He told her that she couldn't record anything, that um, your sister wouldn't want to see that. You know, just just take pictures. Um, and my sister has never lived that down. Like, she was so upset. But she ended up recording anyways because she's um, she's the rule breaker. I'm the rule follower. <laughs> but I'm so glad she did because, um, you know, I was able to see everything that happened. And so he was born, um, like 30 minutes later, I pushed for about 30 minutes and, um, had a, not a big tear. I think it was only a second degree tear. So it really wasn't bad, but they brought in an intern to stitch me up. And I swear it took like 40 minutes. Like it was longer to stitch me up than it was to push my baby out. And so that was hard. And then, um, that recovery was just horrible. I mean, way worse than my C-section. Like people would ask me, what was worse? You know, your C-section or your vaginal birth? And I was like, oh, that for sure. I was just in so much pain. Uh, I couldn't even like lie down on the couch without, you know, turning. And it was just so uncomfortable. And I was like, you know what? When I have my third, you know, I will not get another epidural. Like it was then and there that I was like, that's it. I'm not doing that anymore. Wow. Yeah. And then, um, I took him in for like his two week checkup and his doctor said, Oh, he has a broken collarbone. I was like, Oh my goodness. Like I had absolutely no clue at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, my sister kept saying, it's, it's the way that the doctor did that. I know it is. And I never even like thought anything of it until my home birth midwife was like, you know, this is probably what happened. Go, go watch your video. And that's exactly what it was. Instead of letting me push him out, they pulled him out of me and his poor little collarbone just broke. And he, it's, it kills me to this day because he was in so much pain. I could tell he was just crying and crying and crying. And we had no idea why he was crying so much. And so that, that just broke my heart to know that. Mm-hmm. And I, I was so upset. And just even now I get all those emotions in my body with the doctor telling my sister not to record, you know, that way she wouldn't have to see that. And um, yeah. And also my OB that I was going to see was all women. Like that's just what I was comfortable with was just seeing women. I saw four or five different OBs, you know, it was like a rotation. So each visit would be something different. And when I went into labor on a Tuesday afternoon, not one of them was at the hospital. And I ended up having a completely new OB that was a male that I'd never met before so it was just overall not a very good second birth experience. No, that is, uh, there's so much there. <laughs> there's so much there. I think the fact that with with obstetrics, it's a continuity of care is almost impossible. You know, the the fact that you don't know who's going to show up for your birth, like, right. and then for literally nobody that you've ever met to be there. Yeah, um, that's very scary. And I can't imagine just how vulnerable it feels where like, you can't move your body. Like you cannot move your legs. You can't do anything. This person is down there and, and telling your sister, like, don't record. Yeah. That's not good. 
those are all not good things. Like, oh, wow. I'm so glad that she did. I'm so glad that she did. So you could actually see what had happened. Um, but how frustrating. I certainly understand why that experience would make you think like, I'm not doing that again. But I do think it's interesting that you said because of that experience, you had said, I'm not going to have an epidural again. So what do you think the connection was there? Did you feel like the epidural and not being able to feel was what caused the tearing? Yes, absolutely. I, I felt like I was just pushing and had no, you know, idea of what I was even doing. So I didn't even tear with uh, my third. So I know that was, it was that and probably the position, you know, lying on your back with your legs up like that. I'm sure that all had to do with that. And probably pulling the baby out of you. <laughs> yeah. Probably didn't help at all. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Wow. Well, okay. So that experience happened. The recovery was, was very difficult. What was it like in terms of, I know that was the physically, that was a physical, like a very physically difficult uh, recovery. What about like emotionally? um, How was that recovery? Yeah. I, I honestly feel like I didn't even really process that that was a bad birth experience because I didn't know any better. Um, it wasn't probably until I got pregnant with my third that I really had to sit down and I was like, okay, none of that was okay. Like, and it was hard for me because I was, you know, but I think it was also my motivation. Like I'm not, I'm not going to go through that again. But um, yeah, I would say um, emotionally it it was difficult for a while. Um, But like I said, I feel like I didn't really process it until I got pregnant with my third. Mm -hmm. That, that makes complete sense. It's like difficult emotions, not necessarily understanding the source of where those come from until later on, possibly when it's like, you know, all right, like we have to deal with it at this point. Like we are having another baby. It's time to, to recognize what's going on and yeah. Um, yeah and, and just, and figure it out. So that, that definitely makes sense to me. So when you became pregnant with your third, what was that what was that pregnancy like? And with that knowledge of, I'm not going to have an epidural, like how did that change your birth plans? Yeah. So I ended up switching OBs just because of that um, experience. And then also another experience that I had had after that, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to switch. I ended up going to an OB that um, had midwives, um, nurse midwives. And so, you know, that was like, uh, you know, more natural, you know, they were going to let you do things, you know, kind of your way. I mean, you know, they always threw that, uh, well, you had a C-section. So even though it was almost five years ago, you know, you still have to, uh, have the monitor on you the whole time and all of that. But, um, at first I was, I was okay with that. You know, I was like, okay, you know, it's better than nothing. At least I don't have to be at that, uh, hospital with that doctor anymore. I get to go to a completely new place and, um, so for a while that was that was good, but um, as I got further along in my pregnancy and I started asking for things like um, doing the fresh tests instead of doing just like the normal glucose drink, they were very very weird about it. Um, pressured me into doing it, even though I didn't do it. I was like, I'm just going to test my own blood sugar, and it was just like I felt like I had no freedom, even though you know they claimed that I was going to be able to have more freedom doing a, you know, midwife birth and an all natural birth, it still was like, I just felt like trapped in that. Yep. Freedom. 
but only our definition of freedom. (laughs) Freedom, if it falls into what we consider okay. Yes, exactly. Well, you know, what's interesting though, is you mentioned like you wanted to do the fresh test this time around. Was that a different choice than you had made previously? Like, did you know about those choices or was this new? No, this was new. Um, I did the normal glucose drink my first two pregnancies because, um, uh, I, like I said, I really didn't start researching birth until, you know, I was pregnant with my third baby. So, yeah. Wow. So it was this third pregnancy where you started, like, really diving into research, really learning more about your options. Yes. That's really cool. Do you think – So, I I mean, I know you said emotionally, like it took you a while to realize like where the emotions were stemming from, but then you kind of did during this pregnancy. And then it seems like that is really what, you know, pushed you and propelled you forward to start not only making a change of like, oh, I'm just not going to have an epidural this time, but like, hey, I'm really taking charge of this. This is going to be a very different experience. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Because I honestly hadn't even heard of home birth until I had met my really good friend um, and she had had a home birth. I was like, I have never even heard of a home birth before, but she was really influential and helped me out a lot in, you know, getting over that, uh, that nervousness of having a home birth. Um, but yeah, that's, it, that, it was awesome. Like I, it was just amazing to, to have that experience. That's incredible. So you're still though, at this point, like we're taking the gestational diabetes kind of tests and that's what was that like 28 ish weeks. Yeah. So you're still at the OB slash midwives at that point. Yeah. I didn't make the official switch to a home birth midwife until I was 30 weeks along. Gotcha. Okay. So you're taking your, you're taking your, um, blood sugars at home. What, what happens next? Um, my blood sugars during the day were fairly good because, you know, I really tried to eat healthy this pregnancy, um, you know, was trying to maintain a healthy weight and, and doing all the right things with that. But my fasting numbers in the mornings were high every single morning. Mm-hmm. And so um, I took that into um, the OB's office and they were like, uh, yeah, these numbers are pretty high. You know, we really would like you to do the three hour test. And I was like, okay, I didn't even want to do the one hour test. You know, I definitely don't want to do the three hour test. Um, But they were really adamant about me doing that three hour test. Like they wanted to know that I had it. And I was like, I really don't feel comfortable doing that. Um, And she said, okay, well, then we are just going to assume that you have it and and then just move forward from there with your diet and exercise and all of that. Um, So I was thankful that they that they did allow me to do that because I, I did not want to do that three hour test at all. So, yep. you know, they, um, I guess, so I, I officially was not ever, you know, diagnosed with gestational diabetes, but you know, it was definitely assumed that I did have it based on those fasting numbers. You know, it's funny. I, that's one of my favorite things that Lily Nichols says in her book, real food for pregnancy is like, you can just assume you have it and then right. just eat like you yeah. have it. Like, you know, exactly. eat a healthy, like gestational diabetes supportive diet. Like that's fine. Just assume yeah. you have it and then you don't have to worry. I, exactly. I, I like that. Yeah, I read that book uh, cover to cover and really, and really enjoyed that. That helped me out a lot. That's great. So, okay. So at that point you, you realize that you have gestational diabetes or you're assuming that you yeah. do. Um, did, did you have to make any big changes or had you, 
I mean, it sounded like you were already eating pretty. Yeah, it definitely. Um, I, I guess I should say I thought I was eating healthy, you know, but there, there, uh, obviously was some more changes that I needed to do. I pretty much cut, cut out all processed sugar, um, really ate, you know, a lot of whole wheat, a lot of vegetables. Um, so yeah, that, that was, it was a big change, but it wasn't a hard change. Like I thought it was going to be so much harder to make those changes, but you know, when you've got a baby growing inside of you, you know, you want to do the best thing that you can for them. So it was actually pretty easy for me to make those changes. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So not long after that would have been when you decided to make this switch. So what propelled you to make the switch? And then what was that process like finding another midwife and, and her being comfortable with you in terms of previous cesarean and all of that? Was that difficult? Actually, it wasn't difficult at all. I um, had talked to my friend who had had the home birth midwife, and she uh, gave me two recommendations that she um, that she really liked. And so I interviewed both of those. They were both fine with me um, having a home birth, you know, even though I had it, you know, a previous cesarean and successful uh, back. Um, the only um, requirement was that I could not be on insulin. I don't know if that's like a, uh, like a nationwide thing, but at least for Michigan, you know, if you were on insulin, then you uh, were excluded from having a home birth. So that made me a little bit nervous. So um, I ended up staying with my OB for, I think, two or three more appointments after that, um, and was able to get a prescription for metformin in order to help Mm -hmm. my um, fasting numbers to go down. And, you know, I was torn about that because I did not want to take that medicine if I didn't have to. Um, My midwife was actually the one that was like, you know what, it's okay. If this helps your numbers, you know, it's going to be okay. You know, and she had a set of protocols that we would go through after the baby was born to see, you know, if he ended up having low blood sugar or anything like that. So she was the one that was really, um, she really helped ease my mind with all of that. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, she was she was a great midwife and and was so calm and helped me through all of those different emotions with having uh, the gestational diabetes. So I was really thankful for her. Mm, that's wonderful. It's yeah, and you know every midwife is different, and then of course like the regulations in different states are always different. So it's hard to know. Like, okay, is this one thing that may be fine in Michigan may not be fine in South Carolina. And I mean, and of course this is all in terms of like regulated midwifery, but, but yeah, that's, it's, it's so great to hear that you were able to find a care provider who was so supportive with both of those things. Um, and yeah, and you were able to clearly, you were a candidate, you were an appropriate candidate for home birth. You had it successfully. So um, that's amazing. So I'd love to hear, okay, after you made that switch, how was it different? Like, did you notice a big difference in terms of care? Oh, absolutely. It was a night and day difference. Um, you know, when you're at the OB office, I, like I said, I ended up seeing midwives and they, they had probably seven or eight midwives there. If I were to have seen a doctor, I mean, they had, I think over 20 different doctors in that office. So like you would, would never see the same doctor or even the same midwife. So to go from having a uh, 10-minute appointment with a nurse midwife or an OB at the doctor's office to going 
um, either to the midwife's office or her coming to my house and having a solid hour of care, it, it was just complete night and day difference. I was like upset with myself that I didn't make the switch sooner because it was it was seriously so incredible to have that you know personalized care. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. Well, then I'm curious to hear what was the end of your pregnancy like and then on into labor? How yeah. did you know um, you were in labor this time? Yeah, so um the the medicine worked. I woke up every morning with completely fine fasting numbers. So I was so thankful for that. Um and then the week I went into labor, there was two different nights that I had had prodromal labor, which you know, I'm thinking, okay, this is it, you know, and I, I was so excited and I would doze off and I would wake up and it was completely gone. And I would text my midwife. I was like, oh my goodness, you know, it's gone. Like it, we're not in labor. <laughs> so I had that two different times, um, which I'm thankful now that I did have that because it really helped me to focus on my breathing, you know, cause these mm-hmm. were light contractions, but I really sat there and concentrated and acted like they were, you know, super painful. That way I could really focus on that breathing. Um, Mm -hmm. but then I woke up, um, the morning he was born, um, and felt a gush, which I thought was my water, but it just ended up being, you know, the rest of my mucus plug and some bloody show. Um, so I texted my midwife. I was like, I know it's 4.30 in the morning and you're probably asleep, but uh, I think I'm really in labor this time. And um, so she told me, you know, make sure you're eating a good breakfast and, uh, you know, try to rest as much as you can. Try to go back to sleep if you can. But I was too excited. Like I knew that this was the day. And so um, I was in labor uh, pretty much all day. Um, Not anything super consistent. Um, it started off, you know, seven to 10 minutes apart and eventually it got to five. Um, my kids were there for a little bit. I wanted my daughter to at least be there for my birth. Um, but I gave her the option. I didn't want her to feel like she had to stay. Um, so, um, she and my son ended up going to my mother-in-law's house. Um, maybe the next one, I bet she'll be there for the next one. But, um, uh, yeah, my labor was was pretty smooth all day. Um, around 3 p.m. was when I kind of started going into that active labor, you know, where I was um, really not able to talk through contractions anymore. After I would have a contraction, I, you know, was still just really focused. Um, I had some intense back labor, um, which I had not experienced with uh, my son. So that was kind of a new experience. Um, My husband and my best friend and my mom were all there while I was in labor. And so anytime I felt a contraction coming, they would just grab the ice packs out of the freezer and they'd put it on my head and they would, you know, put it on my back and put pressure on areas that I needed help with. So I was super thankful for them Mm -hmm. that they were there to help me out with that. Um, But then um, I texted my midwife. I was like, hey, my contractions are four minutes apart, you know, they're lasting one minute. Um, you know, I feel like you could head over, you know, soon, you know, you don't have to rush, but I think, you know, it's starting to, to get closer. And so she got there around three thirty, and she's like, do you want me to check you? I was like, yeah, let's just do it. We'll, we'll just see how, you know, far along I am. And that was my first cervical check. I hadn't had one, you know, which also was a completely different experience than the OB. Cause they, they want you to do that, you know, every time. They love a good cervical check. Yes. yes. 
Which oh. makes zero sense because, okay, I'm going to backtrack a little bit to when my son was born. Um, she did a cervical check on me and um, tried to strip my membranes as well. And she said, um, I don't think this really worked. Um, so I'll probably just see you next time. No, you know, next week when you come in for your appointment, because you're, you're not going into labor this week. And I ended up going into labor like three days later. So like, yeah, that. so just add that to the list of the reasons why I will not go back to that OB. But um, uh, yeah, so when uh, my home birth midwife checked me, um, I was at a seven. So I was like, okay, thank you, Jesus. We're getting there. You know, things are happening. Um, so um, I, I labored in my room for a while because I had a lot of family that was at my house during labor, um, which now I'm thankful for. At the time, I was like, you know what? I kind of just want this to be a little bit more private, but um, I am thankful that they were all there now because they just kind of stayed in the kitchen and I was in my room and um, sat on my chair for a while and then laid down on my bed for a while. And my contractions were still uh, three to four minutes apart. They never got um, super close or I would even say super intense. They they were very manageable because um, I remember with Tate, uh, my second, you know, lying down on the bed was like the worst thing ever to go through those contractions. It was so painful. Um, but lying on, on a certain uh, in a certain position on my bed uh, for my third um, was what was really helping get uh, things going. So wow. um, I felt like I needed to go pee. So I, I told my husband, I was like, I need to go to the bathroom. Can you help me? And so he stood me up and I had a, a very intense contraction where I, I was like leaning on him and I had to like stand there and I just couldn't move. And so when that was over, um, I sat on the toilet and went to the bathroom and then all of a sudden pop goes my water and I feel his head right there. And I let out the most horrific scream because I was so scared. I was not expecting to like be ready to push him out like right then and there. Like it was, it was crazy. Yeah. That sounds very surprising. Yes. Very. <laughs> Considering like, I remember. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> oh no, you're fine. I was just gonna say, I remember with my first, it was a similar situation where once my water broke, I was in the pool and I felt it broke. And then my daughter went from very high up to like straight on the perineum. And there is nothing like that experience of just like complete dropping. Like yeah. what is happening? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Wow. It, I I think about it all the time because I just, you know, I've never experienced anything like that before. It was, it was just the most incredible feeling ever, even though I was just so petrified because I was not expecting that. Um, Cause like I said, my contractions were three to four minutes apart. They never were like back to back to back to where I'm like, okay, it's getting close. It's time. Um, so, you know, I am screaming cause I'm so scared and everyone just thinks I'm in pain, but I was just, I was scared. I, I didn't know like what was happening. I didn't want to have him on the toilet. I was like, I have a beautiful pool set out in my living room right now. I want to give birth in the pool. <laughs> Right. Oh, wow. So once you let out that scream, what, what happened? Did your midwife come in? Did you? Yeah, my midwife was there actually. She helped okay. my husband like get me to the toilet and bless her heart. All I can see is her face. Like she was so calm and collected. 
and I I was panicked and she's like it's okay it's okay you know relax and then um uh, my best friend ended up telling me the assistant midwife who was sitting in the kitchen when everyone heard that scream everyone just like stopped what they were doing and the midwife gets up and she's like all right well I guess we're having a baby now and she just casually just walks into my bedroom <laughs> but um yeah that, that was crazy Oh man. So, okay. So you're at the toilet at this point. Yes. Did you stay there or how did, how did that go? She said, you know what, let's get you to the pool. You know, still super calm. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, how on earth am I going to hop in this pool with a baby's head? You know, just chilling right there. But they helped me, um, they got me in and it was funny because, you know, I had shopped forever trying to find like a comfortable, you know, like sports bra that would you know be modest and you know cover everything but like still give me access to be able to you know hold him up here when he's born um but that did happen like he was coming so I was like I'm in this big t-shirt I'm just getting in the pool you know we're we're just gonna do it this way (laughs) that works oh yeah yep it works and so um you know they sat me in the pool and I pushed probably four or five times. I'm not exactly sure on that number, but it was 10 minutes. So I was in the pool for only 10 minutes and then he came out and we didn't know the gender at the time. So that was super fun to to find out that he was a boy. <laughs> that is the, that is the most fun surprise. It Just is. It's not so knowing. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so great. So as he, as he was coming out, was there, you said this was different compared to last time because there was no tearing. Right. Um, So what do you attribute that to? I'm sure we can attribute it to (laughs) to different care. A couple different things. Definitely no epidural. Um, You know, I wasn't forced into pushing. I just, I let my body do what it was made to do. Um, And um, yeah, I I think that and the position that I was in made a big difference. Even I- What position were you in? I was just sitting up. Um, so I, I wasn't on, you know, lying flat on my back. I was sitting up and just, um, you know, had my legs open just like that. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it wasn't anything fancy, but uh, yeah. it worked. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And the buoyancy of water, I feel like is just so helpful um, as well. Yeah. Like it's just like adds that extra little bit of counter pressure to kind of ease everything out. Yeah. And it was an instant relaxer too. Like at first Mm -hmm. I was like upset that I didn't get to labor longer in the pool, but I think it was perfect because I hit that water and I was just instantly relaxed. Like I knew what was about to happen. And like I said, I just let my body do its thing and, and, and it did it, you know, without fail. That's incredible. Wow. And so, so he's born into your arms or did, did somebody else catch him? How, what was that like? My midwife caught up. My husband's a little squeamish. So he was like, I'm just going to be, you know, by your head, you know, I'll be right there for you. So yeah, my midwife caught him and just immediately put him on my chest. And it was probably a good uh, two minutes before I even thought to like, oh, let's see what this baby is. Is it a boy? Right. (laughs) It's so funny how that works where it's like, the entire pregnancy, it's like, I wonder, I wonder what, is it a boy? Is it a girl? I don't know. And then the baby's actually here. And it's like, sometimes that's the last thing on our mind. Like, don't even remember. Yeah. yeah my husband's oh, like, all right, let's see what it is. I'm like, oh yeah, let's, let's see what it is. Like, I guess we, we, we've been waiting so long. Let's find out. Oh, that is so funny. So, okay. So he's born, you find out that it's a boy. What was the immediate postpartum like? Uh, it was 
seriously a night and day difference. I, I still am just in awe of, of the experience because, you know, I sat in the pool, um, birthed my placenta out on my own, which was something that I I don't think I did in the hospital. Like, I don't ever remember feeling a contraction to push anything out. Like, I'm assuming they just pulled it out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I uh, uh, pushed out my placenta, and I just kind of sat in the pool for a while and just was soaking it all in, you know, letting that adrenaline rush kind of subside a little bit. And then my midwife um, had another bath for me to get in, the herbal bath. And so um, she got me in in uh, the herbal bath. And my husband got to hold the baby while I sat in the bath for a little bit. And then they brought the baby to me. And he sat in the bath with me. And I was able to nurse him right away. And we just sat there and just bonded. And it, oh, my word. It, it was just such a special time. Like, I just get emotional thinking about it because it seriously was just so so special um and then when I was ready to get out they they grabbed the baby um they they got him dressed for me my mom got to hold him and then my midwife helped me get dressed and she's like all right let's get you to your bed and that was the greatest thing I've ever experienced in my entire life was to uh have a baby and then be able to go right to my bed it was it was seriously just amazing Mm, that is so incredible that is the the best feeling um so and then I I know you had told me earlier that this was this was your biggest baby yeah so when when he was weighed how much did he weigh and what was the difference yeah he weighed nine pounds um (laughs) Addie was 712 Tate was 810 and then Bodie was nine pounds so um and so I was thankful too that you know, because with gestational diabetes, that's that that risk is that you're going to have this huge 10 pound baby. Right. Um, but I actually was measuring a little bit behind. So I wasn't worried that he was going to be super big, but I definitely wasn't expecting a nine pound baby right there. I, there's a picture of when they're first weighing him and you can just see my face. I'm like so surprised that I pushed out a nine pound baby without any tearing. It was seriously, I was so, so thankful for that. That's and that's what's so incredible is this that baby. I mean, Bodie was significantly bigger than Tate, and yet because of how you were treated, how you were able to listen to your physiology and let your body's innate wisdom guide you with this second one, that didn't matter. That was not the that was not the important issue. The size it was the ability for your body to do what it was designed to do. Yes. Yeah. It seriously is amazing. Cause I just feel like, I feel like with an OB, it's always fear. Like it's mm-hmm. always like, you know, you need to be worried about this or this could happen. You know, you, you could have a uterine rupture, you know, there's so many different fears that they place into you. And I'm not saying that all OBs are like that. I'm sure there are some very, very good OBs out there. And I just happen to have a bad experience. Um, but I, I don't know if you just happen to have a bad experience. <laughs> I don't know that I'd go that far. I'm sure there are some good OBs. Yeah. I don't think your experience is by any means uncommon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just feel like they use that fear as like a coercion, you know, like they, yeah. they can get you to do certain things that you, that you wouldn't have done unless they would have, um, you know, instilled that fear into you. Yeah. Wow. Well, so as you look back on this journey, you know, from a cesarean section to this medicated, but I mean, in so many ways, traumatic experience at the hospital to this 
really beautiful and and redemptive seemingly birth at home what are the what are the big takeaways for you what what do you feel like you learned through this yeah i'm i learned obviously to to do my research um it, it is so important um to do your research because you know, like, like you said, I've had three very different experiences that I, I wish I would have done that research sooner. So I would have known and been more prepared. So that definitely was a huge key for me was to make sure that I was that I was prepared, that I was doing things in my pregnancy that would help me during labor, um, you know, drinking the, the red raspberry tea and, and practicing different breathing techniques and you know, listening to your podcast and, and doing um, other kind of, you know, meditation that I just knew would help me, you know, those were things that I never did with my first two. And so um, I really, you know, you, you uh, said it so well, I took charge of this third pregnancy and, um, and made sure that I was doing things my way. Um, mm-hmm. A quote that I had read um, when I was doing all of my research was that um, humans are the only mammal that don't give birth um, instinctly, you know, they, they have all of these different interventions, but like our bodies were made to do this. I mean, from the very beginning of time, you know, God told Eve that she was going to have childbirth and she was going to have pain in childbirth, but he didn't say, but you're going to need all of these interventions to help you give birth. You know, you're going to need an obstetrician. You're going to need some man to tell you how to do it. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Like God designed our bodies to do this. And Mm -hmm. I just feel like we've come so far in society to, to take that away, you know, and I feel like, you know, the more people I follow on Instagram and the more people that I see out and about, like home birth isn't that uh, crazy of an, an idea anymore. You know, it's, it's starting to become more common. Yep, definitely. And I am so glad because, you know, when we think about it, like this hospital experience, like this obstetric model really in the entirety and the span of human history, it's a blip. Yeah. And I really hope that we can keep it that way. I hope that this is just a tiny blip and that the vast majority of us will be able to successfully go back to the way that birth was intended to be because there is so much in terms of connection with our babies and trust in ourselves, trust in the Lord. Like, in, in our ability to fulfill our duties in motherhood, how powerful is that experience that you had? Like how confident, like how confidence providing is that experience to know like, oh yeah, I, I did this. I had this baby. I, I had everything that I needed. I was given everything that I needed to get through this. Of course, I can trust that I'm going to be given everything that I need in all other aspects of motherhood as well. Um, so absolutely, you know, for those necessities, those times when like we really do need medical care, thank goodness for it. But yes, the vast majority, oh man, I hope that they take a take a lesson from Cassidy and and just see how empowering yeah. it is to make these choices. Yeah. Even I'm I'm thankful that I had the gestational diabetes with my third pregnancy because I was already in that mindset of I'm doing things differently this way because I know that if I would have had that with Tate, I probably would have had a repeat C-section. So I, I'm even thankful that that happened 
this time. And yeah, it was scary because, you know, it was the first time I ever had anything like that. I tried so many different times to find podcasts of women that have had gestational diabetes and have had a home birth. And I would post in like my Facebook groups and I didn't really get that that much information. So that was a little bit scary. So I was like, I really want women to know that, you know, as long as your midwife is comfortable and you're doing everything possible to make sure that you're healthy, it is still 100% possible to have a home birth, even when having gestational diabetes, like midwives are so knowledgeable and they have, you know, so many different skills that they can, that they can use for your baby. And so I just want to encourage those women that are out there that are, you know, thinking I'm not going to be able to do this because I have GD. Like, no, you can still, you can still have a, a safe and happy home birth. Like it it is Mm -hmm. possible. Absolutely. And I think it's because of that holistic model. Like we're not just, you know, just popping you on insulin. It's okay. Let's figure out dietarily what we can do and let's use these other resources to keep everything balanced. It's not just an immediate like, Oh, well you're done. And you know, nothing you can do about it. Like, don't worry about what you eat because it doesn't matter. Like, no, this is holistic care and, and look where it got you a a beautiful home birth. Um, so uh, Cassidy, I'm just, I'm so happy about your experience about how, this transformation occurred and I can just see the confidence that came from your taking charge, from your uh, deciding to look into things deeper, from your um, your ability to really just own this birthing experience. Yeah. Um, so I know that this is going to be so empowering to so many mothers because of the gestational diabetes, because of your transition from hospital to home. Um, so many different aspects. I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Yes. Thank you so much. I, I was so excited to, to be able to share my story. So I thank you for giving me this opportunity. Wasn't that amazing? As we head into this week's episode roundup, I really just want to emphasize how incredible Cassidy's story really is. You know, she had her first home birth after two hospital births, one cesarean, one medicated VBAC, but she birthed her biggest baby at home. He was exactly nine pounds. What I want people to understand is that we're so quick to label and decide this is bad. You know, the the medical system is so quick to do this. But what Cassidy learned and what so many of my friends and students have realized is that it's deeper than that. We can't just smack a label on something and call it a day. And there are ways that we can truly work with our bodies and heal our bodies and gain the most from these experiences and be comfortable still giving birth at home in the comfort and safety of our own home. Cassidy told me at one point that birth is sacred, safe, and a natural instinct that we have as mamas. And I think that is so well said. And that's all that I've got for you for today. So I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at happy.